This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. This issue of kids riding the bus comes at an interesting time in Calgary because, uh, of course, back to school this week. Just yesterday, we had the mayor reassuring parents that Calgary Transit will get your kids to school safely. There are five alternative schools in Calgary. Uh, that because of decisions made, will no longer have the yellow school bus transportation. Instead, they are getting financial rebates for the cost of purchasing Calgary Transit passes. In other words, this is how your kids need to get to school. They need to ride public transit. Well, story out of B.C. Here's Post Media Today. A single father of five children in Vancouver, ages 5 to 11, is accusing the B.C. government of overreach after he was told that allowing his four oldest kids to take the bus to school on their own put them at risk. Adrian Crook, who runs a video game design consulting business and maintains a blog called Five Kids, One Condo, says he started allowing his children to take unsupervised trips last spring to teach them to be independent and instill in them values surrounding sustainability. The family does not own a car. But someone lodged a complaint to the Provincial Ministry of Children and Family Development, and an investigation was launched. In a letter from a ministry lawyer dated August 2nd, Crook was told that a court would likely agree that his arrangement raises protection concerns. Quote, arguably, a child moving around to the community exposes the child to at least the same level of risk as being home alone, if not greater risk. Uh, Adrian was on with uh, Danielle Smith earlier today. Here's a little bit from him. Uh, their ages today are 11, 9, 8, 7, and 5, and it was the oldest four uh, that were taking the bus on their own, but that was only after two years of me taking the bus with them, either wholly or partially. It's uh, probably a 45-minute trip all in uh, with, like, a transfer five minutes into it in a, in a really, you know, a fairly controlled area um, downtown. So it's, you know, it's a pretty doable bus route right from the stop in front of our house um, to the stop right in front of their school. So, so it's, it's wh- quite achievable. Why did you decide to do this? Because it is interesting. There are so many, I'll call them helicopter parents, lawnmower parents, uh, parents who want to bubble wrap their kids. You seem to have gone a different way. Why, why did you decide to start on this path? Well, I sort of explained it in one of the blog posts when we first started out doing this. Uh, it's not, and even the ministry said, like, you know, we know this isn't a case of you neglecting your kids. Uh, you know, it's a philosophy for you, and it is. Like, it's, you know, it's everything from sustainability, like teaching my kids uh, that they don't need private automobiles to get around all the time. Uh, but more importantly, like, independence and safety is actually, ironically, my one of the chief concerns I had when I started this is the bus is by far the safest mode of transport. It's something like 24 times safer than walking or biking or even ride, you know, you know, driving a car. Um, so it's pretty much the safest way we can transport our kids around. And so, you know, to have this sort of reversed and say now that it's dangerous and, you know, I guess by extension, I should probably be driving my kids instead is, you know, it's not really based on data, this decision. So this to me is interesting. I mean, my kids uh, often take the bus uh, to or from school. Uh, kids need to know where they got to go to catch the bus. They need to know which bus to get on. They need to know which is their stop. And uh, often they, they need to walk from the bus stop to their home. So we've got very young kids who are expected to do this every day. Now, maybe you could say public transit different. You've got all kinds of weirdos getting on and off along the way. I mean, is that the concern? And maybe that speaks to this weird fear we have that there are just dangerous, evil people lurking around every corner. 
Well, I'm sure all of this sounds all too familiar to our next guest, Lenore Skenazy, uh, founder of the Free Range Kids Movement, freerangekids.com, also author of the book of the same name. Uh, Lenore, thanks for joining us. Welcome back to the show. Thanks. Uh, you know, it's, it's a rare treat to have Canada go insane while America goes tisk tisk. How about that? Eh? Yeah, the tables <laughs> right. have turned. Um, but th- this, I mean, this kind of sounds like your own story, doesn't it? This is kind of how you all you got started on all this. Um, well, actually, the opposite, I would say. And here I have to say hooray for uh, the United States because I let my nine-year-old ride the subway alone um, about 10 years ago at this point. And I wrote a column about it because I'm a newspaper columnist here in New York. And when I did, I ended up on a lot of talk shows, and I'm on one now with you, so it's still um, a very popular topic. But no one told me uh, that I couldn't do it. Certainly the government did not say, we've reviewed all our decisions in the (laughs) past, and now it turns out that your child is not allowed out of your sight in public until at age 10. And that's what uh, Adrian Cook has been told, that literally his kids cannot go outside without adult supervision until age 10. And the 11-year-old watching the other kids as they get on the bus together is not considered old enough to be the person who watches over them. And so he is stuck. I mean, they've literally changed his entire life. He either has to go get a car and drive them, which, as he says, is more dangerous than letting kids take the bus, or he has to get on the bus with them. And frankly, two years of riding the bus with them to teach them how to do it, you don't need even two years. You need maybe two days of showing them how to ride the bus, and they'll get it. And in any other generation, we would have trusted a dad who saw that his kids were competent and knows that he's living in Canada with your incredibly low crime rate on a bus, which is incredibly large and not going to get into an accident, and, and let them go. And instead, the government is telling him it would be against the law for him to trust his kids or his community or even his own parenting. So that, to me, is extraordinarily wrong, and you guys have to change that. You can't have the government telling you something is not safe when something is extremely safe because nothing is perfectly safe. And so if something is 99.999% safe, you have to consider that safe enough, and a parent who lets their kids partake of something like that also safe enough. Yeah, so the kids, is, um, 11 is the oldest, then 9, 8, and 7 are the four who are riding the bus. Uh, and and so certainly, I mean, a kid who's 11 can can babysit, as far as I'm aware, uh, at least here in Alberta mm-hmm. where we are. And so the, we, mm-hmm. we, we give kids at this age some responsibility. And certainly this father, yeah. I think, went to, to great lengths to, to teach his kids that. Yeah, yeah. The dad sounds really responsible. And uh, even a seven-year-old, seven-year-olds across the world. I actually once met a lady, I always used to say from Switzerland to Swaziland, seven-year-olds walk to school. Then I met a lady from the U.N. who had lived in both. And I said, hey, do seven-year-olds walk to school? And she said, yes, in both places. So it's true. From Switzerland to Swaziland, seven-year-olds are considered competent enough to cross the street, to get on a bus if they need a bus, to take the train, to walk, to ride their bikes, um, sometimes to, you know, uh, climb over gorges, depending on what country they're in, to get to to school. And so what an insult to the community even to say that somehow this, this bus ride is so dangerous that a seven-year-old can't handle it. Of course they can. Yeah, because it's, as you say, and this is basically what, what the dad's been told, that until the children are 10 years old, they cannot be unsupervised in the community at home or on transit. So if right. this family, well, if the school explain. was a couple blocks away, then theoretically mm-hmm. the kids wouldn't even be allowed to walk to school. Correct. He doesn't think his kids are allowed to play in the driveway at this point. So I'll tell you what, he's, what, the, what the ministry based their decision on 
was a case that came to the Supreme Court of British Columbia uh, three years ago, where, it, once again, it was a divorce case. And in, in this instance, a mom was letting her eight-year-old son come home, a latchkey kid, and wait till she got home like an hour or two later. And the father, maybe just because he was enraged about the divorce, um, reported her and said, this isn't safe. And he had CPS conduct an investigation. And based on the one um, social worker from, I call it CPS, meaning Child Protective Services. You guys call it a little something else. Mm-hmm. But anyways, the one social worker from the state said, I don't even think 10-year-olds are re- ready, really, to deal with horrible things like if the house caught on fire or if there's a burglar. And the judge said, well, I would trust a social worker. And said, therefore, you know, bangs his gavel on the table. You know, nobody is allowed home to stay home alone until age 10, which is ironic because we all know that a huge swath of adults today, of parents today, came home as latchkey kids. And you can't base your decision on whether kids can have any freedom on conjuring up the very worst-case scenario. The kid is in the attic and the house is on fire and he's mute. <laughs> you know, you can't go by the worst imaginings of, of disaster and say, in a case like that, a kid wouldn't be safe, and so therefore they can never have any freedom. I mean, you say that, and you should. You could say a kid could never get in a car. There's going to be a car accident. A kid can never sit in a chair. There could be a meteor. So that was what they based it on. That was what the Supreme Court decision was based on, and that's what, in the end, the ministry said to Adrian Cook about his kids. If an 8-year-old can't be home alone, um, a 9-year-old can't be outside alone. That was that. Well, it's interesting. There are three provinces that have legislated minimum ages. Uh, New Brunswick and Manitoba, it's 12. In Ontario, it's 16. Uh, everywhere else, bizarre. including B.C. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty high. But B.C. doesn't have uh, a legislated minimum age, but yet it's, it's almost as though they're enforcing one. Right. They, don't, they might not have it written down as a law, um, but that 10-year-old, uh, the, the, the decision by the judge saying, you know, a child until they're age 10 can't come home and be alone as a latchkey kid is, I think, what the ministry was basing its decision on. But let's go to these the 12. You can't be alone until you're 12? I mean, come on, we were just saying that 11-year-olds are babysitting. You can't be alone until you're 16? So so the first moment you're allowed to be alone, you can also start driving a trailer? <laughs> you know, these things have, they're, they're absolutely acting as if a 2-year-old and a 12-year-old are the same thing. We have to start Remembering that kids grow up, we keep treating them as embryos. I just got another note today from somebody, I haven't even been able to respond yet, that um, their school is not allowing anybody to walk home. And I'm sure that the school is worried, what if something terrible happens? I'm sure that's what the ministry was thinking. What if something terrible happens? But I call that worst first thinking, coming up with the very worst case scenario first and proceeding as if it's likely to happen. And when you do that, you end up saying, well, you know, it's better that these children should have not one ounce of any kind of independence, any kind of adventure, any kind of self-sufficiency, because what if the worst case happens? I don't want to be blamed. I don't want our office to be blamed. Why don't we just bubble wrap them and put them in a box and wait till they pop out at age 16, and we don't have to worry about anything at all, and it really doesn't matter if the kids develop or have any street smarts or any life because nobody will be able to blame the ministry if anything goes wrong. Okay, so as parents, I mean, we need to make these determinations. Uh, Maybe the school's two blocks away, or maybe it's a 40-minute bus ride, or maybe it's staying home alone for an hour or for three hours. 
how do we make these determinations to say, here's when a kid is ready? Here's the, the magic number. This is the age at which these kids can do these things. Yeah. Well, if there was a magic number, I would give it to you. <laughs> All I can say is that somehow our parents came up with these magic numbers, and it was probably a different magic number for you and for me and for everybody else. But they looked at us, they watched us developing, they know us, and they see, okay, you know, she was home for five minutes, everything was fine, or he was home for half an hour and he tore apart the kitchen, not yet. You know, they you get to know your kid, and your kid gets to demonstrate to you who they are and what they're ready for. And they're not demonstrating it to the ministry, and so the ministry just goes to the very highest number it can possibly enforce. And that that just doesn't make any sense. It should be up to parents to decide when their kids are ready to do things. And the ministry can step in if there's something extraordinarily dangerous that they notice going on. Now, this is a case where the ministry actually told Adrian Cook, the dad, you know, your kids are great, we see that they're responsible, we see that you've taught them well, but something could go wrong, and we, we talked to all these other experts, quote-unquote, and the, we heard that the Supreme Court said nobody could ever be alone until age 10, so your kids can't even be outside with their 11-year-old brother until everybody turns 10. So they don't, they, they, they absolutely refuted the idea of looking at the individuals or even reality, and they just went straight to cover your ass, let's not let kids do anything at all, and nobody can ever blame us, the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, you got to piece up on this, much more, freerangekids.com. Lenore, I always appreciate the insight. Thanks for making some time for us here today. Oh, a pleasure. I love getting mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love it, too. Thanks, Lenore. Lenore Skidese, uh founder of the Free Range Kids Movement, freerangekids.com, and, of course, as mentioned, author of the book of the same name, Free Range Kids, How to Raise self, uh, Safe, Self-Reliant Children Without Going Nuts with Worry. Uh, so this dad has his own blog. It's fivekidsonecondo.com, and he writes more about the story there. There's also a GoFundMe page that's been set up. So if you go to GoFundMe.com and search for Let Responsible Kids Take Transit, you'll find this page. Now, he's already surpassed his goal. Set a goal of $15,000. They're at 15811 Adrian says, I'm raising money to legally defend the ability of kids of all ages to take public transit on their own. I'll use the funds from this campaign to launch a legal challenge to protect the rights of responsible parents to choose the transportation method that best fits their family without interference from the government. Now, I don't know that he really means kids of all ages, right? There are some, some logical extremes here. But we do put pretty young kids on school buses, too. Uh, like, for example, my niece is a December baby. She was just in kindergarten, would have been last year. Uh, so the neighborhood my brother lives in up in Edmonton, things got all weird. The school they live right near was a K-9, to then became a 2-9. to nine. So the kindergartens and grade 1s are being bussed to the school like 30 minutes away. So the poor girl, who's still 4, gets to hop on a bus and, and go 30 minutes to her kindergarten. And so I thought, yeah, that seems young to throw a kid on a, a bus like that. But that was by order of the government. It's not like the government's stepping into school, the, the parents. You're doing it because the government says so. And aren't we sending mixed messages here in Calgary? All you kids who go to these alternative programs, no problem. You can ride Calgary Transit. It's going to be great. Mayor Nenshi says we operate a transit system. We operate a safe system where kids can feel comfortable and safe taking the bus to school, as I did every day from grade 7 on. Oh, but if you put your kids on the bus, you might get in trouble. But you better put them on the bus because that's how they're getting to school. Hmm. Okay. 
974-8255 is our number, 974-TALK. We are back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.